morning to all. And for those here and for those who are online, we're glad that you've joined us. I understand that there are some who are not able to be here this morning because of illness and are watching us at home, and we're glad for that. Appreciate the technology and those with the technical expertise that know exactly the right buttons to push. I'm not that guy, but I can appreciate those who know how to make these things happen. We have many that are visiting us today from all over the state of Michigan, and we have some from out of state, all the way on the East Coast, who came here to get away from the precipitation. But it's coming. Our sermon today is the fourth in a five-part series. The last two weeks have been on faith, hope, and this is love. So now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Perhaps a more appropriate lesson could not be taught on this day of the year. Love. If I were to have people stand up one at a time or in groups, as I mentioned the things that you love, you don't have to stand, please don't. But if I say, stand up if you love snow, well, everybody loves snow on Christmas. There we go. Maybe not so much the rest of the... I said, who loves chocolate? I would be shocked to find that some people don't like chocolate. I would say, who loves family? Many people would stand up. And I might be shocked once again to find out not everybody likes family. <laughs> Love. It is interesting that Jesus challenges our thoughts as he taught in the New Testament. As he taught about what it means to be a neighbor. And a neighbor just isn't living in the proximity within X number of feet or miles. To be a friend is more than that little box we check on Facebook. I'm always amazed when I see that people who have thousands and thousands of friends, I'm even more amazed when I find out I have a little over 200. But a friend on Facebook is different from a friend as truly defined as a friend. Not that people don't like each other. Love also demands a higher calling. I love cake. I love a sunrise. I love my family. I love this and I love that. And you can use those same words. I'm going to spare us the Greek today, if you don't mind, because there are different words for love in the Greek language. It's one thing to read a definition. It's one thing to understand the concept. It is quite something different to As Randy read those verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, arguably known by most people as the love chapter, and it defines in verses 4 through 8, 
the quintessential type of love, what it is. He begins in the first three verses of 1 Corinthians 13, and he speaks about, if I speak in the tongue of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. So he sets that premise for those in Corinth and us today to think, if I have all of these things, if I pull open my vest and show that big S that says I'm a super Christian, these are the things that I can do, but I have not love, you really could care less, because it doesn't mean much. But there is a, a definition that we can have of love, but there is an example that we are given. There are examples in the plurality of what love is. So we look at, there are three aspects, three very easy aspects for us to understand. Hard to achieve for us, but understandable in the realm of God. Because the love of God, first of all, is sacrificial. And how many of us could almost word for word, once we're started to quote John 3.16, could finish that? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The love of God for the world, my love of chocolate. That's easy to understand. The love of God. The example in a type versus antitype. A type in the Old Testament, a shadow, but the reality. That type, that shadow, takes place in Genesis chapter 22 and verse 12. As Abraham is about to plunge his knife into Isaac, that type of what would take place 2,000 years later. God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He did not withhold his only son from us. The sacrificial love. And Paul describes this in Romans chapter 5, beginning verse 8. But God shows his love for us. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have not been justified by his blood, much more shall we save by him from the wrath of God. He shows his love for us. Not while we were at the pinnacle of our goodness, but while we were yet sinners. Sacrificial love. It is not only sacrificial, but love is forgiving. The psalmist writes in Psalm 103, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is 
from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. That beautiful picture of the blood of Christ covering our sins. Things God cannot do for those who are covered in the blood of Christ, he cannot remember our sins. As far as they are from the east and west, that remembrance of our sins is no more. Paul would write to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 1 beginning in verse 1, pardon me, verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. And we hear words like sin. Then we hear words like trespasses. Forgives us of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. The forgiveness of our trespasses. The writer of the book of Hebrews quotes from Jeremiah chapter 7, uh, 17, or pardon me, 31, as Jeremiah gives this prophecy of what would happen. Centuries after, after saying, this is the covenant I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and write it on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. The sacrificial and the forgiving love of God. It is not only sacrificial, forgiving, but it is eternal. Paul writes to the Romans, nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is eternal. And in the back of your mind, perhaps you're beginning to formulate, is this the love that I have? Does this define the love within my heart that rules my life? I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Eternal love. Paul writes to the Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 3, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That is working examples of what love is. As good as Paul's definitions are in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, as three-dimensional as they seem, this extra dimension of the explanation of love based on what love is to God guides us, rules us, and if we are willing controls us. Now comes the part we wait for. Our love. And it is defined in many places. We are told how 
that we do in the same way that God has done out in our lives. John the Apostle writes in 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 16. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. Remember that passage that says, while we were still sinners? He loved us before we ever knew. Jesus would write, a new commandment I give you. As important as the Ten Commandments were to Israel and the Jews, even to us, he says, a new commandment I give you. That you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now that begins to separate us. Separates us from the world. It may even separate us from one another. Because if I don't love you, God says, I don't have his love. There's the proof. And that can be rather challenging, don't you think? I can be a difficult person to love. And I can think of one person who can tell you this. Not to mention names. <laughs> love one another. Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. We urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. And as much as we love one another now, Paul urges them and us. Keep that challenge alive. Find ways to love one another more. It is not just sacrificial, as we learned how God's love is sacrificial, but it is also a forgiving love. Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Not specifically said in so many words, but that is really the thing that they have been taught. And if you think that isn't something that is taught in the world, let me remind you of this little area called Palestine today, where there are people taught from their youngest childhood years, hate those people and kill them. It still exists in the world. But I say to you, 
Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. As difficult as it may be to love one another, we are told to love our enemies. In the example that we are giving, remember that upon the cross, there are seven things that Jesus says while hanging on the cross. And one of them defies our understanding. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I think in simpler terms, in our day-to-day living, it is hard for us to feel love for someone who jumps in line at the, with a shopping cart at the store. True? It can make us a little less loving. For the person who cuts us off in traffic, for people who do those little things that irk us. Not necessarily our enemies. Surely we can't see them as our enemies. They're people we don't even know. But we are to love them. Pray for them. Stephen, as he is being stoned because he tells the truth in Acts chapter 7, as they are about to stone him, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. There is that forgiving love in action. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ, forgave you. And we know quite well from that parable that was told about the man who was forgiven 10,000 talents and then went and demanded that 100 denarii from the other man, been given such a, forgiven such a great sin, a great, great amount, and was unwilling to forgive others. It ought not to be. Put on then as God's chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has complained against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. A little bit of a challenge there, isn't it? That love. Sacrificial, forgiving, and eternal. Greater love has no one than this, that someone should lay down his life for his friends. That eternal love that we hear of and we see in instances, perhaps we see it on the news or we hear of it of great heroes, But no less is demanded of us to lay down our lives for his friends.
And all of this, Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2, of what we are to emulate, what we are to copy, what we are to imitate in our lives. Therefore, because of everything that I have told you in this letter, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave his face to God. All the way back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. For these three remain, these three abide, faith, hope, and love. For love cannot stand on its own without faith and hope. They are working together. For love without faith and hope can't abide. Nor can hope without faith and love. Paul writes to the Galatians, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. And Paul writes of hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Faith, hope, and love must work together to become that perfection that God desires us to have. Love never ends. Prophecies, they'll pass away. Tongues, they'll cease. Knowledge will also pass away. We know in part and prophesy in part. But when perfect comes, the partial will pass away. And Paul talks about, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I acted like a child. But now he's become mature. When I do a wedding ceremony, I transcribe, as it were, Verses 4 through the first part of verse 8. And where it says, love is patient, I insert the person's name. And so I will say it for myself and wonder, is this true? After I have read everything about God's sacrificial love, his forgiving love, and his eternal love. And seeing the things that Jesus said and those who wrote the epistles, of all of those examples, and then I read this with my name in there, and I think to myself, is this true? Does it meet? Matthew is patient. Do not answer that. Matthew is kind. Matthew does not envy or boast. Matthew is not arrogant. Matthew is not rude. Matthew does not insist on his own way. Matthew is not irritable or resentful. Matthew does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but Matthew rejoices with the truth. Matthew bears all things. Matthew believes all things. Matthew hopes all things. Matthew endures all things. Matthew's love never ends. 
that is a heavy weight on my shoulder when I think in terms of is there at least one of those I can improve on? The truth is I can improve on every single one of those. And you may be sitting there thinking you have a little work to do as well. We all have work to do. Because this process really never ends. Until our journey on this earth ends. We will constantly be working on to figure out, how can I be more patient? How can I be more kind? How can I be less rude? How can I be less arrogant? Our task, our, our labor is laid out for us. But it is the love of God that really defines our example. What I need to imitate. For as great as the examples are that I see in my life up to this point, great examples, but the greatest example is God himself and his son and the Holy Spirit whose love knows no end. My task, your task, is to become like Christ in all ways. That perfect example. And so as we bring this lesson to a close and the invitation that for those who feel that, that weight that needs to be lifted from their lives. Perhaps it is that you have not become a child of God through faith in Christ. This is the day. Perhaps you feel a burden of you are caught in something too heavy for you to bear. This is the day to unload that burden. It may be that you feel lost in this world. This is the day to take care of that. Through faith in Christ and believing and knowing that he came to this world out of love to bear our sins. And believing that and confessing that Jesus is Lord. That he is the Christ. Willing to repent and turn from that old life. Confessing that Jesus is Christ. And that last step that brings us in contact with the blood of Christ being baptized into him, this day you too can begin that journey learning perfect love. Whatever your need is, we stand ready to help in any way that we can as we stand and sing. Amen.